Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Standard Groom Only Podcast. Yes, I'm your host, Ben Standick, and I cover the Washington Commanders for the Athletic, which means that, yes, I was there at FedEx Field for the debacle 37-3 loss to the Buffalo Bills. Grant Paulson from 106.7 The Fan was there as well, and we chatted after the game. Big picture, small picture stuff about what went on in... A game that, by the scoreboard, was not that much of a blowout at halftime or even into the second deep into the second half. But Washington was at the same point was never close to challenging Buffalo, particularly on offense. Five turnovers, four interceptions from Sam Howell, who looked every bit of a young, inexperienced quarterback in this one. He had plenty of help, though. The offensive line gave up a ton of pressures. Howe was ultimately sacked a whopping nine times. Um, Carson Wentz knows about getting sacked nine times. Not a good adding on any level. Uh, the defense was what was sort of a bend-don't-break scenario early on, but ultimately they come away with zero sacks, even though, like I said, the Bills had nine. Buffalo converted six of their First eight third down opportunities. So they were able to move the ball as needed throughout. And this was a collective uh, team effort. They only scored their points in, you know, inside the final minute to avoid the shutout on a 51 yard field goal from Joey Sly. I guess we can note Cameron Cheeseman had a fine snap on the play. That might be your positive note of the day there. But we'll get to all that and more here with Grant in a moment. Uh, on the Standard Room Only podcast, make sure you subscribe, whether you're on iTunes or Spotify or whatever you do for your podcast listening. Hit that subscribe button, like button, whatever you got. If you're an iTunes per- person and have a moment to drop a rating and a review, that would be very swell as well. Let other people know about the podcast. Um, you know, this is a be- uh, less said the better kind of a scenario, so I'm not going to get into too much. I'll, I'll let my conversation with Grant carry the day. Um, I, I guess the only thing I would just say, and I, I think we talked about this a little bit, is, look, Washington is 2-1, and one, right? They beat Arizona, who beat Dallas today, in, uh, and they beat Denver, and Denver had a horrendous day, giving up 70 points in an NFL game to Miami. And next week, Washington is at Philadelphia. You would imagine it's going to be a tough day for the Commanders, but we'll see. They obviously beat the Eagles last year in Philly, and, um, you know, this is why they play the game. We'll see what happens. All that said, I think my biggest frustration is just that so many of the main issues today were so many of the things we've talked about all year, basically, leading into the season. If you're going to go with the inexperienced quarterback in Sam Howell, you've got to give him 
the best help as possible. Part of the reason for having a guy like Howell as a starter, he's super cheap. Even with Jacoby Brissett at eight million a year, the quarterbacks are still making less combined than uh, they're making less than nine million. Um, this was just not Howell's day. He had some good moments early, but they failed to convert twice in the red zone, uh, getting any points. But you had to get Hal a better offensive line. Not Again, nine sacks today, 19 through three games. That is some historic stuff. I wrote about that in the athletic post game. By the way, go read that along with David Aldrich's post game article. But you've got a young quarterback. You've got an offensive line that has definitely got a lot of question marks. And I'm not going to, you know, junk on Eric Bieniemy. But this was definitely a, a tougher day for him with the play calling or certainly to look that way watching the game. Um, it, you know, a lot of passing early, which has been the norm, and then running late, except in this case, Brian Robinson only got 10 carries despite averaging uh, seven yards a carry. And, you know, it, it just felt like a game where the, the game plan just did not seem to mesh with what was needed. But again, Buffalo is really good. Rivera and the players acknowledge that for sure. Even, you know, at, along with getting into their own woes uh, for sure. But I don't know how you solve some of these problems. You, you can tell me you can put in Jacoby Brissett for how I, I just wouldn't even consider that uh, at this point, I'm going to live or die with how, um, you know, uh, unless there's some justification for going to Brissett, but big picture, I think you just want to roll with Hal as long as you possibly can. But the offensive line, man, I don't even know what to say I would do. I mean, 19 sacks through three games, again, so not all on the line. Hal holding onto the ball too much is a problem. The Bills players said as much after the game. But when you, but I don't know where I would even go. Even if I want to make a change, is Cornelius Lucas better than, than Andrew Wiley? I don't know. I mean, where am I going? I mean, I don't necessarily think the guards were, are, have been a problem overall this year. I, I'll need to watch the tape tomorrow to have a better feel for that. They're just basically an ordinary group without a ton of upside. And when they're not clicking, things like today happen, where Sam Howell's under duress the whole game. And, you know, when you make a decision to give Sam Howell the job, Way back in January, you got to figure out ways to help him as best I can. You know, the caveat for everything I'm saying is it's only three games. Totally get it. But then there's a game like this where you're just like, whew, reality hit hard and reality bites. Yes, thank you, Ethan Hawk and Winona Ryder for that. Um, all right. Uh, I don't know what else to say other than that was not fun. Ron Rivera will talk at 3 o'clock on Monday. Um, I'll be on with Kevin Sheehan at noon on Monday on the Team 980 is my usual spot. So you can check that out as well. And um, yeah, we're going to have a lot more to discuss this week. I, I just, I'm just going to get on with my conversation with Grant. No point in stalling or, or trying to offer uh, a, a more insight than we already did. When some sometimes there's just not much to say. Just point to the scoreboard and say that's what happened. 37 to 3. That is indeed what happened. Um, so here we go. Here's my conversation with Grant Paulson from 106.7, the fan following the game here on the Standard Room Only podcast. All right. Uh, joining me here 
on the phone. He was, though, just here a little bit ago at FedEx Field is our pal Grant Paulson with 106.7. The fan, I uh, Grant is one of the lucky ones. He's gotten to get a head start to get home to, to flush this one um, and move on to... Uh, Philadelphia. I don't know how quickly that will be for the players to do so in a pretty ugly loss for sure. Uh, give me your uh, your first takeaways after easily, I mean, by by a factor of a billion, their their worst uh, game of the year. Yeah, uh, you need a shower after watching that one, I think. So <laughs> hopefully everyone uh, cleans that one off and leaves it behind. But, no, it was gross. I mean, it was ugly. They lose 37-3. to Feels like they got shut out. They kicked the field goal in the final minute to avoid what would have been, you know, one of their three worst home shutouts ever, 1940, 1948, and today uh, would have been 37-0 or worse all time. So it was a really, really bad game for fans to be at. And it's a shame, right? You had homecoming, you had 175, I read somewhere. Uh, former alumni come back, and, you know, many of them haven't been there in a while, and uh, they're doing the right things and sending them gift gifts off before the game. And fans are tailgating, and they're excited. The team's 2-0, and all vibes are good vibes, you know, at FedEx Field going into the game. And then you're kind of reminded with a bucket of cold water as you sit there on a pretty gross, at times, rainy day uh, that maybe things are not as far along as we would have hoped. Now, you have a game like this, Ben, and I think you start looking back. Like, if somehow they beat the Bills, we're saying, oh, they're really good. They can beat anybody. They're 3-0 and for the first time in 18 years. Like, this is different. You know, Snyder's gone, and here they go. Instead, they lose this game this handily, and it kind of puts everything back on the table the other direction where you go, they almost lost to the Cardinals. They were down 18 in Denver and kind of had a frenzied rally. But Sam Howell looked like a rookie quarterback, right? I mean, this was far and away the worst he's ever looked. And Eric Bieniemy, a week after hanging 35 offensively for the first time in 52 games, just about got shut out, which hadn't happened in 59 games. So, you know, the, the, the stars of this team, I always say every week, are it's a TV show, and the, the, the main characters are Rivera, the enemy, Howell, and Chase Young. And it wasn't a particularly good day for any of those four guys. Not that Chase did anything wrong, but a week after being kind of the talk of the town for a dominant performance, I, he wasn't particularly noticeable after the first couple drives. Yeah, I mean, look, this is a, a, a team loss for sure. Um, but let's start with sort of the offense, you know. Look, they had opportunities early in the game, right? First drive, they move the ball into the red zone. Hal throws a pick. Uh, later, they move it into the red zone inside the. They get it basically to the one yard line. They lose the yard. They're at the two. They go for and fourth down. Don't make it, and they come away with zero points. And obviously, that would be terrible in any game, but let alone against a team with Josh Allen, a, a Super Bowl contender in Buffalo, who's got great talent on both sides of the ball as they flex today. For sure, but I think the other part for me is, you know, I hate to keep sort of harping on the same things over and over again, but the two big, you know, on offense, the two biggest questions we all had were one, for a team that is trying to make the playoffs, is it wise to go with such an inexperienced quarterback? And two, do they have enough on the offensive line? Uh, and I think the answer certainly is, well, I can't say we can't say anything definitive. It's only three games. But the, those two areas were the real issues today. And the offensive line in particular, we'll have to see. I'm not saying the nine sacks allowed were solely on them. They weren't. But, man, Hal was under duress the whole day. And when you have a young guy like that, I don't know how you leave yourself vulnerable to that possibility. 
and they did. This isn't that big of a surprise, relatively speaking. And I think to me, you know, in the big picture sense, this is the concern we've all had this going into this year. Yeah, I mean, he got pressured on 69% of his dropbacks, 25 times on 37 dropbacks, according to next-gen stats. Sam Howell was pressured. That's the second highest pressure rate against the quarterback in the NGS era. I mean, it just, it's not okay. You, you can't operate that way. You can't play quarterback that way. Now, that might be a little bit deceiving as it pertains to the O-line or pass pro if you're including tight ends because some pressures occasionally are on the quarterback. You know, if you're holding the ball and get pressured after it should have been out, that still looks bad against the guys blocking, and, and it's maybe your fault as a passer. And I think there's some of that, too. Because, as we've talked about every week, he holds the ball longer than you should. That's a trait for every rookie quarterback. And I'm, I'm going to call him a rookie in this sense in, in game number four. I know he's a sophomore. Oh, he but is. for every young passer, they don't get the ball out maybe and process things as quickly as a veteran might. That'll come with games and reps and time. But it's also kind of been a how trait going back to North Carolina. Like, historically, if you look at some of the quarterbacks that have been drafted over 20 years, I think he's bottom 10 in terms of even in college, like pressure percentage, time to throw, those things. So it's the one big question. It's the one thing that has kept me from really going all the way in and saying they have found the answer at the quarterback position. And uh, that today I thought was an ugly part of his performance. Obviously his decision-making, which generally has been pretty good and certainly in his starts has been outstanding, uh, was not good either. But the the larger story to me is, as you said, it's about pass protection it's about the design. I mean, you, you said it. You went with a quarterback who played once, and I still go back to this all the time. I've probably said it with you on this pod a few times. The day that I reached out to people over there, and it was confirmed to me right after the end of last season that they were rolling with him and that they weren't going to try to go upgrade, they said the other part of this two-pronged plan was like how plus major reinforcements on the line and we just have a different definition of major reinforcements because Andrew Wiley who gave up nine sacks last year and the Chiefs said no thank you to and Nick Gates who I do like a lot actually and what he's brought from a mentality standpoint at center like that's not the splash that they think it is that's not the answer that they think it is so if they want to say well it's not the line they're actually pretty good I think I lost you there for a second, but yeah, you yeah, get the numbers. Yeah, yeah, no, no, all good. You you cut out for a sec, but no, I, I'm with you. And again, I, I keep pointing this out. It's not just the two guys that you just pointed out, which is a correct. Like, all right, you know, we'll see. It's that it's joining Charles Leno, who is a solid tackle, but he's not an All Pro, and two guards in Sadiq Charles and Sam Cosme, who have potential for sure, but have been injury unable to stay on the field. And we don't know yet what they are. And that's just one, that's five risks across the board. You know, there's no Brandon Sheriff. There's no one guy where like, or one or two guys where like, this is a thing. Or from a potential standpoint, guys, you're going, this can really build into something. I mean, maybe you could say that with Cosme or Charles, but, you know, th- th- that seems like a lot to, to put on them at this point. So we've harped on this a lot, but this was one of those games where it really came to fruition, especially then when you have Sam Howe. He had not thrown multiple interceptions in any game, pro or college, since his first game of his last season at Carolina. He is pretty good about avoiding those turnovers, pretty good about being efficient. He's generally accurate, as we've seen 
so far. But, you know, when, when, when the house is caving in on you, you're going to start doing whatever you have to do to try to make a play, combined with the fact that his mentality is of, I'm going to make plays. I'm not just going to be passive and sit here and, and hope for the best. Like, he's mentally going to do that. And then it only gets worse. It's the definition of the snowball effect. Um, you know, that just one thing led to another, led to another, led to another. And, you know, again, this was something that was discussed post-game with Rivera, um, was that, you know, you got to, you, you, going into the pen, you have to expect this to happen, right? You have to expect games where the young guy is going to implode, and then the issue becomes, well, you know, is it a minimal thing, or is it going to be a continuous thing? And they've harped on a lot this offseason, this summer, that he makes mistakes and then corrects himself. Okay, well, this is going to be... A, tr- a real test of that in a big way because there were a lot of mistakes today and next week the Philadelphia Eagles are uh, is the opponent up in Philly. Yeah, I think that's another thing I would say, Ben, is this is not good easier. And I don't mean the opponent, right? Philly's good, so is Buffalo. But the front for Philly is nasty. I mean, they had seven sacks of Carson Wentz, if you remember, last year in the game where the storyline after was he's holding the ball too long. And I think it was nine also. Matchup. I think it was nine well, also. Was it a nine-sack game? I, okay. I, I thought so, yeah. That, that makes sense. I mean, that, it, it's a, like it was a lot. So, yeah, I think nine's probably fair. Whatever it was, it was one of those games where it was like, Jesus, like this guy is not able to do this anymore. And I bring that up not to necessarily say anything other than, like this has to be fixed screen passes, bubble and smoke stuff to receivers, setting up screens to running backs. It's got to be quick game, as West Coast as it gets, right? Just get the ball out of his hand. They've got to throw on short slants and crossers and stop routes to McLaurin and Dotson. That just has to be the way forward, at least for this Philly game. But I guess in the big picture, like, Hal's going to get crushed this week. Uh, These happen for young quarterbacks. It's not linear. And this week on the show, everyone was just kind of ready to crown the guy and talking about, you know, how, how he'd arrived. And my point is not that I'm not excited or that I don't agree, because the Denver game was really stunningly impressive game. And maybe you've put up some numbers in a loss, but here we are. They got to go back to the drawing board. I actually think today was worse for the enemy, uh, who had Ryan Robinson averaging seven yards per carry in a moderately rainy day. And, you know, there's questions about. Uh, did they run the ball enough? I'm not one of the people that will ask those, but you know how those get asked. And I think today was worse for Ron Rivera, who, you know, a week ago got his flowers. You chose the enemy, you chose how, everything came up you. And today, your team, for the second time in as many weeks, came out very flat and lost one of the worst home losses it's had in a long, long time. You know, look, I mean, you're right. Last week it was 21-3, to and... My, you know, worry for them was if you start off slow again, Buffalo's got too much to uh, to just assume you're going to be able to come back, right? Denver, <laughs> Denver gave up 70 points today to Miami. That that surely says something about the Dolphins' offense, but that's an insane amount of points, and it almost makes Washington scoring 35 last week look cute um, by, by comparison. Um, so yeah, there was no way you're going to be able to just come out and, and say, okay, well we can we can overcome a slow start, and that you know that was why the first two games was like all right you give them credit for what they did of course but eh, you know I don't know and then of course to flip to flip to the other side you know those first two games the defense you know really kind of turned those games around with uh, plays that forced turnovers and from those turnovers 
came points and really the momentum shifted dramatically. Now, in the first half, they were hanging in there that they were holding, you know, Buffalo scored, what, four times? They held them three times to field goals. But Josh Allen was killing them on third down, which was, you know, they led the league in third and opponent third down percentage last year. Buffalo started six of eight. Uh, Allen was beating him with his, with his arm, with his legs. And then things just started to get out of hand after halftime as the offense kept, um, you know, turning the ball over five turnovers. Uh, I believe Buffalo started three drives in Washington territory and scored on each for 17 points. So it's hard to, like, completely, you know, junk on the defense. But, you know, this is also the point of this, right? If you're going to lay this team out and say, okay, we're going to have a young quarterback, but we have this defense, okay, but then the defense has to show up every week and not give up everything they were giving up. Again, they were holding Buffalo to field goals early, but, you know, they were still giving up a lot of third-down plays. And it felt it, it felt much worse. It felt like Buffalo could have been up uh, a bunch more. But uh, so, what was your view on sort of the defense today? Well, I just think their defensive line has to be excellent for them to be in games against superior teams. So coming in, the reason I gave them a chance in this game was that their D line dominated the Cardinals, and in the second half, completely took over against the Broncos, and. That's where your picks are, four first-round picks. That's where your money's dumped into. The reason you didn't or couldn't, whichever you prefer, spend on the offensive line. The reason you didn't go get a tight end. The reason you don't invest in the linebacker position with any money to some extent is that you got a lot of money tied up in the D-line. And it's not to blame any of those guys. They're excellent. You know, They're all going to the Pro Bowl, potentially, the way they've looked through three games. I mean, Payne's played at an all-pro level. Payne, uh, Allen's been tremendous. Sweat's been phenomenal. And Chase Young had a huge game against the Broncos. But you go back today over, and I haven't rewatched the game yet, right? I'm driving home. But you go back through today, and how many times did you notice those guys? You know, Sweat had a couple of hits as Josh Allen got rid of the football. One got him off the field, which was good. Uh, Chase Young early in the game had a TFL where he cleaned up a play and you know, had a minus four, and he had a, a pressure. He was noticeable in a couple early drives, but as the game went on, uh, I don't think he was necessarily. And, you know, Allen and, and Payne were much more quiet. Payne did make a couple of plays where his name got called on the loudspeaker. But if, I mean, if you're looking at the box score, which isn't the best way to do it, right, um, those guys, they didn't fill it up like they have been. There weren't sacks and a lot of quarterback hits or pressures. So I say all that to say, that's not going to do it, man. Uh, they have to be great. And when they have been really good, they're 2-0. and And when they've just kind of been out there quietly, they're 0-1. And I think that's going to happen all year long. Like, that's how this team is built. They have to be exceptional. Otherwise, they're not good enough in other areas. Their secondary's athletic, and they, they're fast, and they're okay. But they're not going to carry the defense. Their linebacking core is their weakness. So it's really up to that D-line to, to carry them. And I didn't think they did today. No, I mean, just to be clear, um, the Bills had nine sacks, which was nine more than Washington had. Uh, you know, yeah. going into this game, I believe it was 10 to 10 how many times Washington gave up a sack versus how many times they had one. Um, and, you know, again, we're not expecting five, six, seven sacks a game um, and not even necessarily expecting them to make to generate turnovers every game. But, you, but they have to be better. And, like, I'm not so much – like I said, I'm not even so much – putting it on Payne and Sweat and Allen and, and Young. It's more about this was the plan, 
right? If you're going to if you're going to go this way with all the investment they have on the defensive line, and the light investment they have at quarterback, uh, and to a degree the offensive line, then okay, well then this is the way you have to win. And today was a huge uh, example of where that uh, came up woefully short. They did have the one turnover, a Kendall Fuller interception, but you know. What the offense well, and that up. was an arm punt. I mean, honestly, that was as much strategy, I think, as anything. Right. If you're Josh Allen, that was a third and 22. You threw it down toward the Washington red zone about as far as you could down the sideline. Two guys are engaged. You're probably hoping for a P.I. flag or, you know, a hero play, and Fuller goes up and gets the ball. So, uh, you know, that goes as a turnover for sure in the stat sheet, and I'm not going to look a, a gift horse in the mouth with this kind of game, and they only had nine picks all of last year. But I, I think context matters a little bit there. I would just say this, too. I mean, I'm looking at the numbers in front of me in terms of tackles for loss today. You know, Payne had one and Chase Young had one. But Montez Sweat didn't. John Allen didn't. Uh, and, uh, yeah, that, that's the list, I mean, as far as the defensive line goes. Um, tackles for loss is the best category because they did some things in the run game. But quarterback hits. They have one statistically, and it came from Montez Sweat. No one else touched the quarterback, essentially. Um, so the, the pressures, the lack thereof in this game today, like they've been so good in that area. And they, I just thought Josh Allen had too much time. Like I thought maybe they'd quick game Washington, and that would be how they move the ball on this defense and, and put up numbers <clears throat> against them. They didn't have to. And he was very comfortable, I thought, all game long. Yeah, no, 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 no doubt about it. Um, all right. Well, you know, not to sound like the team, but we'll uh, we'll have to look at the tape for more uh, insight as to what happened on the defensive line, and for for that matter, also about when you look at the offense. Obviously, Sam Howe wasn't uh, very good today, but like you know, they were really struggling to get the ball into the hands of their playmakers because you mentioned Robinson, who had ten carries for seventy yards. But the offense, the, the, the receivers didn't do much. I mean, McLaurin had six catches. They went for 41 yards. Um, at halftime, only three players had had even a reception. Dotson has been super quiet so far this season. He finished two for 21 on four targets. Uh, you know, they, you know, it, it, the defensive line and the playmakers, that was the strength of this team. And they're not, they haven't gotten a ton out of, um, the offensive playmakers. Brian Robinson's been pretty good so far. And McLaurin had a good game last week, but, you know, they've got to get more out of there. And speaking of that, this was definitely not a decisive part of the game, but Antonio Gibson had another fumble, caught a pass, fourth quarter, fumbled the ball, got, got hit, fumbled. We didn't even, I don't think we even asked Rivera about that post game because there was a lot else going on. But it's his second one of the season, and we know about the past before. Um, you know, Rivera last week talked about how Cameron Cheeseman sort of was, you know, they're at their wit's end with him. They've got to get straightened away. And for the record, he seemed to have a fine day with barely having the, <laughs> having the snap. But this is now two fumbles in three games for Gibson on top of what's happened previously. And we know how important he can be to them in this offense. But I've got to think they've got to be almost to the same point of Cheeseman, not in terms of cutting, but in terms of we've, we've got to figure something out here because we can't keep having this. It's been four years where not every year he's been a, a, a huge problem, but it's twice in three games. And – you can't have that, especially, again, when you have this quarterback situation where you've got a young guy who's already going to make enough mistakes on his own. Yeah, completely. Same thing, I think, to zero in on that for a second. Like, I, I, this is just simple. I mean, I, I I got accused of saying this too early a couple of weeks ago, but 
I just can't have him losing the ball anymore. So I'm giving it to him way less. Uh, and I, I just don't think the juice is worth the squeeze. Like, this is not Brees Hall who rips off a 40-yard run once a half. And this isn't uh, Derrick Henry or something. Well, like, t- he is like Tiki Barber. Like- Tiki Barber back in the day with the Giants, it was a year or so where he would just like fumble and felt like every other time, but he was still racking up, you know, highly exactly. productive games. Yeah, this this is a three and a half yard per carry ish kind of running back in his career who's fine. Uh he should get the ball in space. I'm giving him the ball out of the gun on outside zone stuff, some speed carries toward the sideline. He can use it as his friend and get out of bounds or, you know, get down in space. I'm going to throw him the ball and use him in pass pro. That's his role. Uh, I like his chances to make a play. I think the juice is worth the squeeze in that area. I would get him involved in some screens and try to do what they did last week. You know, he actually had a really incredible run for a first down, like a seven-yard run with a nice jump step last week when he needed six, which is one of his most impressive runs in a couple of years. But uh, it's it's two lost fumbles now in three games, but both at home. It's It's ten in his career that he's put on the carpet. I'm just over it. Uh, and, and I don't see how Washington – well, you've got a young quarterback. He's going to turn the ball over, yeah? You've got uh, not enough talent to, to risk a guy losing the football. If i got a guy with fumble problems, to your point, he's just going to be a weapon and a playmaker, and, and the risk is that if he doesn't fumble, he's going to score. And I just don't think Gibson is good enough for that guy. So, for me, it's Brian Robinson who's getting like 95% of the carries anyway. And in the, the limited time where you've been using Gibson, I think Chris Rodriguez – um, yeah, well, not just Chris Rodriguez. I mean, they used Curtis Samuel, you know, a fair amount out of the backfield. Aren't we just do it more, right? I mean, you know, I mean, he is obviously has some of those skills. He gives you that electricity in space. I mean, not as big as, as Gibson, but he certainly can do it. I mean, just lean into it more, right? I mean, because because where they're going is just not is just not working. Um, Beyond that, I don't know what else you got. What, what do we got here? It was, a, it was a you know sellout crowd, but a lot of Bills fans were here for sure. Um, the rain never really seemed to be a huge factor in the game, but it was you know gray skies throughout. Um, you know, I'm sure it ruined a or, or, or frustrated a tailgater or two, but I don't think it was a major factor in this game. Anything else for you uh, that you're going to be uh, kind of focusing on when you guys are talking uh, tomorrow on 106.7 The Fan? No, I mean, I'm going to go back and really key in on the nine sacks, how many were how, how many were the line. Um, I think the the big stories are going to be the how turnovers. It was really ugly, obviously. Uh, I need John Dotson way more involved, two for 21 today. Just too good a player to every week to have three or four catches. And I like that they spread the ball around, but I'd like to see them call more things just to get the ball to him and, frankly, to McLaurin. I mean, they really haven't gotten either of those guys fully going yet. Terry uh, the last couple of weeks been in that five six catch forty to fifty yard range, um, and and they're just you're talking about a top ten receiver in the league maybe in McLaurin and a budding star in, in Dotson. I just think there's so much more there. Uh, and, and look, they were down all game. A lot of people are saying they didn't run it enough, so you would think that those guys would have been very involved. And they got to combine ten targets for six catches for sixty yards. Some of that is just how many sacks there were and being behind the sticks, but. Uh, those are some of the things I think you, you got to go back to the drawing board on. Um, and, and I think one of the big stories this week, and it's not my favorite, is, is going to be the enemy's play calling. You know, for two weeks, it, they basically were 3-1 to one in the first half, passed the run. It worked out in the second half. They had the defense kind of fatigued and softened up. 
were able to run it and win. Well, here's your first loss, and people are going to look at the balance, and they're going to say, Robinson, 10 for 70. You know, Hal dropped back almost 40 times. What are you doing? Uh, so get ready for a lot of that banter this week, I'm sure. <laughs> By the way, there was a lot of Kansas City's off to a slow start offensively because the enemy is here. At the moment, they're up 31 nothing at half, but, but with a minute before halftime. So I guess they figured out a couple of things. I mean, they are playing the Bears, but nonetheless. Um, I mean, what a what a horrible week for the Bears, by the way. you got Justin Fields who can't play, calling out his coaches. they got people stealing $100,000 worth of equipment from their stadium like a scene out of the town. Their defensive coordinator stepped down, and now they're playing in Kansas City down 31 nothing. Yeah, not 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 so great. But by, by the way, just lasting on the receivers, and then I'll let you go. You know, look, Terry McLaurin, obviously, you know, one of the better receivers in the league, Jahan Dotson. They got to figure out ways to get him going, as you said. But like with McLaurin, it feels like every time he makes a catch, it's like, wow, what a spectacular catch by Terry. Or like, you know, the touchdown last week, he's throwing the ball. It's like quasi triple coverage or three defenders around him, at least. Stefan Diggs, I don't know. I don't have his final numbers in front of me. It felt like he had 100 catches and each one there was nobody within five to 10 yards. Like he was open all game long. And that seems to be another thing. Like, we see this with like Tyree Kill today. The Dolphins had a hundred thousand points. It was at least one player. He was like twenty five yards open by himself down the field. And I don't know. You know, this is a new coordinator from what they had, but it just seems weird that Washington's big big receivers are very rarely big big letters all caps open. And uh, I don't know what to make of that, but I just think from an easier offense perspective, like you know that that would be nice the way the digs was getting open. Yeah, the Diggs point is what kind of jumped out to me is he was wide open all game. And I was uh, watching Red Zone uh, you know, casually and the press box was on. And you just see, you're right, it's, it's Tyreek Hill's different because of the speed. But, like, another good example is uh, the Vikings and Justin Jefferson. Everyone knows all week that Justin Jefferson's going to get, you know, ass naked open, right? He had seven for a buck fifty and a touchdown today. And there were a couple of kind of deep crossing routes where no one's within – five, ten yards of him, and, and Cousins just has to kind of feather the ball into him. Uh, and that offense hums. You know, they go for 370 through the air again today. Everyone knows what's coming. Uh, everyone knows it's Jefferson season every single game, and they still find ways to, to scheme him wide open. So they just have to want to do it. And, and uh, part of it is pass pro, but it's not like Minnesota, you know, is, is good in, in that area either. I just think you, you got to commit to it. You know, the Rams have – You've seen how they did it with Cooper Cup. O'Connell comes from that background. So I, I think there are coaches that are good at it, and hopefully the enemy makes it a priority. All right. Well, obviously, everybody, each uh, Monday to Friday, what, 2 to 6.30, should make listening to 106.7 a priority. Grant and D Danny Rui doing their thing. It's not going to be the most fun weeks to talk about this team, but as the players all said, we got to move on. Philadelphia is up next. Obviously, a team they won, they beat last year in Philly. I'm sure the Eagles remember that as well. Um, and we'll see how they do. Uh, my guy, appreciate the time as always. Drive safe and, uh, you know, avoid those turnovers. And we're going to do my best. Four turnovers. Sam Howe, one Antonio Gibson. I don't want to add to that pile. No, don't, 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 don't do that. Unless it's an Apple turnover, then I think you're allowed. All right. Big thanks to Grant Paulson for his time. Thanks to everyone here for checking out the podcast. Uh, like I said, more to come this week. I'll be uh, continuing my home and home series with my guy, Al Galdi from the Al Galdi podcast. Uh, we'll talk 
uh, probably like Tuesday or so. Uh, so maybe that's a Wednesday published, but we'll, we'll get that conversation going and some other fun stuff as well. Not fun stuff today. Not fun stuff today. But that is it for now. Ben Standing signing off. Until next time. See ya.